thank you. Thank you. It feels like the band is back together. Um, we're, we're so grateful. Audrey, nice to see you up here on stage. Well, hey, I want to invite you already to, to turn to Matthew 6, um, and specifically from the message translation. See, this is not red. Okay, good. Um, yeah, Matthew 6, 1 to 18. We're going to read this, and it's a pretty good chunk. And you certainly can just, you know, listen along if you would rather just listen. But um, it's so much scripture that it may be helpful, actually, to be able to read it along as we are doing that. So I'll let you turn there. I'm also going to just, you know, take my time making this transition because our Facebook feed is down at the moment. And so give Teresa a chance to maybe connect that here. So Matthew 6 is where we'll be. Brendan, if you want to go to the next slide, it shows the series title, which um, you know, may, may be helpful just saying a little bit about this. This title really can go a couple of ways. Uh, I, I chose it because in one sense, the world feels like it's upside down. <laughs> and I think this Sermon on the Mount, although it's really not a sermon most scholars think, and it's not like what I'm doing right now, um, but this collection of teachings in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 uh, has something to say to us when we are in these places of life where, world, where the world is upside down, when our lives are upside down. And so in one sense, that's kind of what's going on here um, with this title. The other is that this collection of teachings from Jesus does, in fact, also turn our world upside down. Um, it's, it's a disruptive set of teachings. It is not satisfied with the status quo. And so it flips our world upside down. Um, and so, you know, that, that's just a little bit of background in this series, maybe gives you a little bit of context um, of what we're trying to do here over these next few weeks until we get to Advent, uh, which, oh, this sounds so far away. It's not. It's not. So in the next month or so, we'll be here in the Sermon on the Mount. Today, Matthew 6, 1 to 18. Let's read this together again from the message translation. Uh, I chose this just because, number one, I think it's, it does a really, really good job of translating verses that maybe we've heard before and helps broaden the, the understanding um, of, of what Jesus, I think, is teaching here. So let's get started. Matthew 6, starting in verse 1 of the message. Be especially careful when you are trying to be good so that you don't make a performance out of it. It might be good theater, but the God who made you won't be applauding. When you do something for someone else, don't call attention to yourself You've seen them in action, I'm sure, play actors, I call them, treating prayer meeting and street corner alike as a stage, acting compassionate as long as someone is watching, playing to the crowds. They get applause, true, but that's all they get. When you help someone out, don't think about how it looks, just do it, quietly and unobtrusively. That is the way your God, who conceived you in love, working behind the scenes, helps you out. 
And when you come before God, don't turn that into a theatrical production either. All these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for 15 minutes of fame. Do you think God sits in a box seat? Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. And the focus will shift from you to God. And you will begin to sense his grace. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you are dealing with, and he knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply like this. Our Father in heaven, reveal who you are. Set the world right. Do what's best as above so below. Keep us alive with three square meals. Keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. You're in charge. You can do anything you want. You're ablaze in beauty. Yes, yes, yes. In prayer, there is a connection between what God does and what you do. You can't get forgiveness from God, for instance, without also forgiving others. If you refuse to do your part, you cut yourself off from God's part. And when you practice some appetite-denying discipline to better concentrate on God, don't make a production out of it. It might turn you into a small-time celebrity, but it won't make you a saint if you go into training inwardly, act normal outwardly. Shampoo and comb your hair, brush your teeth, wash your face. God doesn't require attention-getting devices. He won't overlook what you're doing. He'll reward you well. So this morning, I want to ask a couple of questions. What does a mature faith look like? What does a vibrant spiritual life entail? Is it about performance or presence? You know, about the time I started seminary 20 so years ago, I found myself being asked a lot to pray at public gatherings. <laughs> No one had ever asked me before, but once I started seminary, somehow it became quite normal at family gatherings, Thanksgiving meals. Once I was asked at a wedding reception, right before we were about to eat, uh, someone came up to me, best man, someone, master of ceremony, someone, and said, hey, would you mind praying for the meal you know, in front of these hundreds of people? And I suppose it's to be expected you... You go to seminary and, and people imagine that you can pray. Um, but boy, did it make me nervous. Sweaty palms, shallow breathing, the whole nine yards. And the reason why I think is because I viewed prayer at that time in my life 
as a public performance. I was being called up on stage. The audience was waiting with bated breath, and I had to perform exceptionally well. Don't stutter, sound holy and humble at the same time, keep the theological heresies to a minimum, right? And if I nailed it, if I nailed my performance, the crowd would go wild. (laughs) Well, not so much wild, but, you know, people might come up afterwards and say things like, Chris, that was such a wonderful prayer, so eloquent, so powerful. You must be so connected to God, of course, and then I would humbly deny that and play it down and Truth is, I loved it. As Jesus says in verse 5, prayer was a way for me to get my 15 minutes of fame. I think we're often tempted to think that our life with God is a performance. But this is backwards. Again, this is upside down thinking. Because prayer, or fasting as Jesus talks about at the end of the passage we read, or an act of generosity, these things are meant to connect us to God and to each other. That is their intention. That is the gift that they offer us when we pray, when we fast, when we give generously, that it connects us to each other and to God. But what we often do, or at least what I often did, was I used these things simply for my own ego. Now, most of you, some of you, but most of you have not gone to seminary, so maybe you haven't experienced that sort of prayer request that I did repeatedly. But I wonder, I wonder, has has a friend ever asked you what you're doing this weekend and you casually slip in that you're going to be spending Saturday serving a friend who's had a really hard time this last week and you're going over there for a couple of hours to love them well. Is that just me? (laughs) Or a friend um, uh, says to you, hey, how how are you doing today? And you say, oh, I'm really tired, you know, I been getting up early in the morning to try and connect with God and do a little more praying, you know, and you just kind of slip in this humble brag, trying to draw attention to yourself. I think we know well enough that we shouldn't, as Jesus kind of talks about here in this passage, get up on the street corner and shout out our prayers or or get the band to play for us when, we're, when we give generously to someone. I think we know well enough that's socially unwise. But we find ways often to make our faith about performance, to get our 15 minutes of fame. Jesus says that if you do that, you're going to get something. It's not that you're going to walk away empty-handed. You might get that pat on the back or that bit of applause, but he says in verse 4, that is all you will get. The quote-unquote reward of turning faith into a performance will fall far, far short of what you really desire. 
See, I think we're often tempted to think that faith is a performance. And so we get up on the stage and we do our best to impress. Sometimes it's impressing other people. Sometimes it's impressing God. Jesus says this in verse 7. It's up here on the screen. The world is so full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you're dealing with, and God knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply. See, Jesus is hitting on this way in which we think that if we just dance the right steps, if we follow the right formulas, say the right things, then God will be impressed. God will be impressed. And God will applaud, not just people. And ultimately, here it is, God will give us what we want. My hunch is that all of us have some of this thinking somewhere in us. It's hard not to. To think that if we just do the right things or are the right kind of person or live the right kind of life, then somehow life is just going to work out for us. It's going to be easy, pain-free, tragedy-free. We have this idea that faith is a formula a performance. If we just perform well, then we get what we want. But Jesus is pretty clear that life with God, faith, is not about performance. It is about presence. I think this is why we find Jesus saying things like this in verse 8. This is up here on the screen. Your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask. Jesus says you can try to use impressive words and you can go on and on and on in your prayers. Ever been with someone like that? I was at one time a believer in this. The more, you know, the better. Um, that's performance. Or at least it's possibly performance. And you might get something out of that prayer. Maybe others will notice and give you a pat on the back. Maybe you'll feel really good about yourself or think that you've somehow done exactly what God requires of you to do to unlock some divine, you know, generosity. But I think in the end, whatever reward you get, it will fall short of your heart's desire. Instead, Jesus says to pray simply. Be real and authentic when you pray. Have your time of prayer flow out of who you actually are in that moment and what you are actually feeling. In other words, be present when you pray. Or Jesus says this, verse 4, when you help someone out, don't think about how it looks because that's performance, right? Just do it quietly and unobtrusively. See, I, I know from experience that if you're concerned about how it looks, you are not present. Because all you're thinking about is what other people are thinking. And you're not actually in the moment with the person that you are serving. 
Remember, generosity is meant to connect us to God and to other people, but all of that kind of gets missed when we're so concerned about how it looks. Or how about this in verse 6? Jesus says this, here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. You won't be tempted to perform. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. And the focus will shift slowly, probably, but it will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense God's grace. I want to end by inviting you to reflect on this verse and to maybe share a thought or two about it. In the next slide, I think Brennan has, yes, believe it or not, one more QR code. We just can't get enough of them around here. It's actually, you know, quite an easy way, though, to get us to where we want folks to be. So this takes you to a Google Doc. We've been using Google Docs on and off here since we've been back in the building. And if you go to that Google Doc, you'll see the verse that we just read, and then a table with a bunch of empty lines in it. And what I want to invite you to do is to take a few minutes here to pull this document up. And if you're online, hopefully you can do the QR code here, and I'll maybe try and get the link in the comment section. And I I want you to consider this question What does this verse teach us about presence? What does this verse teach us about presence, about being present in our spiritual life? And then for extra credit or to go, if you want to go in a different direction, there's another question there in that Google Doc. What else have you learned maybe from other people or other passages or from your experience about what it means to be present in our life with God. Let's take about five minutes or so to reflect on that. Brennan will move to the next slide here in just a second. It looks like, has everyone had a chance to scan this code? Anybody else still need a chance to do that? Um, are you having, anyone having trouble? We'd love to come around and, and get you connected in a different way if you're having a hard time getting access, okay? So Brennan, why don't you go to that next slide and it shows the questions here, I believe, uh, or maybe there's not a next slide. Fair enough. Okay. I intended there to be a next slide. It's fine. It's in the Google Doc. The questions are there. So we'll just leave this up, and we'll come back here in a few minutes and have a brief conversation about whatever you all are going to share here.
All right, we'll take another minute. This is, as always, excellent. All right, so let's, uh, let's just have a brief conversation about this. We've got a few minutes. Um, I, I am you know, drawn to two of these um, entries um, kind of right away. It's the, one of them's right at the top, so hard not to be drawn to it. You know, isn't writing in this Google Doc an act of spiritual performance? Hmm. I appreciate the honesty of that question. Um, and then someone, just a few down, says, honestly, I'm sitting here trying to think of something really profound to say. I think that proves the point of this verse. Hmm. It's interesting, right? I mean, is, is what we're doing here this morning an act of spiritual performance? I certainly imagine it could be. Um, You know, when I think back to like praying out loud and the story I shared earlier of how it became performance for me, does that mean that somehow praying out loud is in and of itself bad or that I should never do it? Is that, and I, for me, I'm not so convinced that that's the case, but I, I am quite aware that um, if I am going to pray out loud publicly, um, I better be paying attention to my heart. I just better be, just be paying attention. And if I'm noticing things, tendencies to move towards self-aggrandizement or trying to leverage the moment for my, my own ego, then, then I've got some work to do around that, some real care to take in that moment, right? So is this an act of spiritual performance, what we're doing? I suppose it certainly could be for someone. Uh, at the same time, it doesn't have to be. But I appreciate the honesty of that question. I like that someone right out of the gate challenged the exercise itself. <laughs> I love it. I do. I love this community that that would even happen here. And then again, that someone's honest enough to say, I'm really trying to think of something profound to say. That would be me if I was sitting where you are. I'd only want to type something if I knew it was going to be really impressive. So for me... I would have a real challenge potentially, certainly in some days, um, doing this exercise here without making it about me. A number of you, you know, really highlight this fact that this little phrase, as simply and honestly as you can manage. Hmm. 
And that seems to be really important for, for some of you. You're, you're taking note of that and realizing that Jesus doesn't have a bunch of expectations about how we show up. It's more about showing up as you are in that moment. Along that line, someone says halfway down or so, connection without attention to expectations allows for truth. I think that's really profound um, and really hard to pray, to fast, to give, to practice any sort of spiritual practice without an expectation of what it might give you. Woo. But I think that's the work. That's, that's the invitation for us to come and to notice as we give or as we pray what what. What's kind of happening here? You know, what's running under the surface? What, what's the current? To pay attention to that. As someone said, it makes it seem a lot easier than it really is, especially in today's environment. A couple of you comment on that, and then a couple of you kind of take the next step and say, maybe that's why this translation says that you need to get into a secluded place. We have that sense, don't we, that to be present in this age and time, it, it is possible anywhere, but I'll speak personally, it is a practice I am still learning. I am not a master of being present, and so what I often need is seclusion. I need to be able to step away so that I'm not so tempted, as the verse says, to role play, that temptation is, is not there. Um, there's other challenges that rise up when you are alone in solitude. Anybody? I mean, like all kinds of things start to show up when you're alone, and there isn't all of the noise, but that's actually the gift of solitude, is that it's space for things to show up <laughs> that otherwise might get drowned out and not paid attention to. So thank you for this. You have access to this. What I've said maybe once or twice as we've done these Google Docs is that the intention is not only that you get to, we get to experience something here together, some shared wisdom, but that if you so desire and choose, you can access this at any point this week. You can come back here and use it as a prompt to re-engage in these ideas that we're thinking about. So I'd invite you to consider doing that, too. As we close, I'll just kind of give an invitation, because an invitation and ask a question, and I'm asking it to myself as well. You know, what would be something I could do this week, a step to take this week, that would help move me from performance to presence? 